Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and now we're on episode 8 out of 30. We've got plenty more down the pipeline, but today is all about the Miami Marlins. Yes, the team that's in last place at, check that, first place in the NL East with half their men on the DL. They're still managing to dig deep into their depth charts, but the top of the farm is still right for plucking, and we're going to break them all down right here, right now. So Marlins fans, even though you can't watch your first place squad in person, today I invite you to sit back and enjoy talking about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number eight, guys, zooming through these now. Today is all about the Miami Marlins, and we're going to break down the entire organization top prospects you need to know. Here today to talk about these fish, I've got my co-host and master of mechanics, Mr. Jake Tillinghast. Jake, uh, I hear you have a Dr. Pepper handy to help you stay awake. Been up since 5 a.m. Not that bad, but I'll be up till probably 5 a.m. tonight. So Dr. Pepper now, Dr. Pepper later. Might be a monster in between there. I might. Be yeah, you're not gonna survive this. You should uh, invest in some in some green tea. <laughs> I feel like that's a nice, uh, relaxing caffeine joint for you. That's not gonna destroy your heart. You know, it is what it is at this point. You're from Southern California, don't they like love tea and stuff there? Or is that, that's I mean, NorCal, I'm I guess. Not a big fan. <laughs> yeah, not a big. Fan. All right, well that's fine, Jake. We are joined once again by one of our head analysts and scouts at ProspectsWorldwide.com, Mr. Drake Mann. Drake, it's good to have you back again. Um, I realize I still don't have a nickname for you, but are you drinking anything caffeinated that I can create a nickname off of? Uh, it's good to be back, and no, I'm not. I'm just drinking water right now, so I guess water boy. <laughs> I've heard, you've heard good. that one before. <laughs> oh, man. Well, water boy, Jake, you know the drill here. We're going to talk on the top five guys, hit the five players you want to spotlight at the end of it all. And I'm excited about this system. The Marlins have a big top heavy system with some really intriguing names. And the rest of the system has some guys going to filter through it that can really make some damage. Let's start at the top. Number one, we got Sixto Sanchez. With Sixto, we've got a stellar 70 grade fastball that touches, you know, 99 miles an hour. One of the best changeups in the minors a wipeout slider, and a walk rate less than five. Every box you want in a pitcher is checked off with Sanchez. He's a 55 future value. Why is he not a higher value? You know, like like with Pearson or with Mize at 60s. What more does he have to do to reach that next echelon? Honestly, it's just more the fact he doesn't have that fourth pitch. Quite honestly, he doesn't have a fourth pitch to kind of rely on. The slider is consistent. It's just not that breaking ball. You're kind of looking for to be that kind of top of the rotation guy. Uh, that he's kind of a fastball changeup guy. They're both, as we obviously graded as, as 70 pitches, but it's obviously a combination that's going to work for him, and it has obviously been successful with it. But just something that he hasn't been able to do consistently is just uh, miss bats at a high rate in the minors. He's just, it's high as K per nine. It's only at 8.7. He was a 22, 22.5% last year at K percent. But I don't know. I think he has problems kind of missing bats consistently. I think he's a good pitcher. I'm a little worried about him kind of reaching that top of the rotation potential. I think he's more going to slot in that number two, high number three guy. He's not the same kind of pitcher. It's just the same kind of results, I think. As, um, he has, he has been a, a bit better command for sure than this guy. But Garrett Richards, they just they have great stuff. It's just the fact that for whatever reason, they just have problems consistently missing bats. I mean, other than that, the profile is pretty nice to watch. He limits runners. He limits home runs. He's done a good job throughout the minors. Um, I'm kind of 
thinking he's ready, honestly, for the for the majors pretty quickly. I'm kind of expecting him to get some taste at some point this year. But if not, we're going to see him for the majority of 2021. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking over his numbers right now. And you're right, he doesn't really get the strikeouts, the heavy strikeout numbers. But something interesting, FIP is something that is uh, heavily weighted with strikeouts, fielding independent pitching. And his FIP is consistently low. In 2019, he was rocking a 2.92 in AA. Like, that is an incredible FIP rate. And doing that with lower strikeouts than usual, that's even better. Like, I feel like everything else in this game seems to elevate him over that inability to get, you know, double-digit strikeouts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he keeps the ball on the ground, too, so he does what's needed. And, I mean, there is a chance for the C where that those Ks take up. I mean, if you think about it, if this guy can just develop that slider a little better or at any point he's able to add another pitch, maybe a cutter, maybe just something, just another little wrinkle in there, he could find some more strikeouts. Drake, he's only had one season where he's eclipsed 100 innings pitched. Do you think he has enough durability and workload to make it as a starter in the league? As the number one, it seems like he should be a starter. Yeah, I I just I'm not that high on Sixto. I'll be honest. I think his stuff would play a, a lot better in the bullpen because he did have that elbow injury, if we all remember uh, remember that. And basically, his mechanics they they do use a lot of elbows. So I do think he could be like a Jordan Hicks and go in there, throw his 100 mile an hour fastball, get a bunch of ground balls. And I think he could be like that type of role for the Marlins, but I he might hit that starter potential, but I just think he'd be a lot better in the bullpen and a lot more effective for the Marlins. Okay. Well, one thing that's noticeable about Sixto, again, just bare stats, is against righties, which predominant number of people you see in that bat are against righties. There are more righties than lefties in the league. He's allowing a slash line of 203, 256, 283. So an OPS of only, what is that, 539. Uh, that's incredible that the the majority of the people he's going to face, he is dominating. So you're right, Drake, that domination would work in the pin. Obviously the Marlins, I think want him to do more. I think they want him to do that over the course of five or six innings instead of two. But regardless, I think when Sixto plays, he should be, you know, he might not get those strikeouts, but he's going to limit that contact. He's going to limit people on base and should be a good player for them. But let's keep going. Let's keep rolling through. Uh, number two on the list is actually the newly drafted Golden Gopher, Max Meyer. Again, like I say with all these new drafted guys, we just did a whole series of podcasts on every single division. So please, guys, go check out the NL East. He was you know, their number one pick, so he got a lot of airtime. Please go check that out. A lot of good information from Zach Silverman, Jake Tillinghast, Chris Clegg. You'll, you'll be impressed for sure. But out of Minnesota, Meyer has you know a lethal fastball-slider combo and has really been improving that changeup in the last year as his third pitch. It's mainly just to keep batters honest, but it is working up to be a pretty solid pitch. The future 55 on his grade, I get here. He's never pitched an inning in, in affiliated ball. He is on the 60-man here, so he's going to get the same development Sixto's getting. In the future, is there going to be a clear delineation between these two? You know, Drake, he, obviously, you're saying Sixto might go to the pin, but is Meyer that clear number one then? or Is he right there with Sixto, two number ones in the staff? I am just like Mayor. I think that there's a lot of reliever risk there, but I mean, there's nothing that you shouldn't like about Mayor. You have that hot, uh, what is he, touches 100 on his fastball. And he also has probably the best slider in the 2020 draft. So I do I do think that Mayor could easily take over number one in that staff, but there is quite 
considerable amount of reliever risk there as well. Jake, what are your thoughts on Meyer? Do you think he's that he has that potential to be that top echelon starter the Marlins need? Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely think so. And obviously the Marlins think so. They wouldn't have drafted him third overall when everyone was saying take Ace Lacy. So, I mean, they definitely see him as that. And so do I. Like Drake said, he's got a fastball that touches 100. Usually it's about 94, 97. He plays up well in the zone really well. He's got 2,500 RPMs on it, which is well above league average, which is really nice to see. Like I said, it just gets a ton of speed and misses up in the zone. One of his plus pitches. And then we move to the slider, which is 88, 89. It's one of the harder sliders. If you go to the major league, major league leaders this year, I believe Jacob DeGrom is the only major leaguer averaging 90 on a slider. And I think he was like 91 or 92. And the next highest was, uh, I forget who it was, but he was only sitting like 88.9 or 89 it. something. You keep, you keep chatting. I'll figure it out. The slider, again, has insanely good spin rates. It's not over the top, but 27.56 is nothing to spit at. That's well above league average again. And then we graded the slider as a 70 as well. So that's two plus pitches. And then you move to the changeup, which I believe is honestly, I, I think it's one of the more underrated pitches in the draft. I think everyone gets so focused on the fastball and slider, but the changeup, honestly, it's really good too. It gets crazy good movement. It's not as swing and miss heavy as the other pitches, but it's just a pitch he uses so well low in the zone and it works so well off his fastball and his slider with the movement it gets. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of him, quite honestly. I think he's got a lot of a lot of potential, as Ray said. There's some reliever risk here. Everyone's kind of worried with the high effort delivery, the smaller frame and all that. But if you kind of dig into the numbers, dig into the all the data and all, he's got really efficient numbers. He works his whole body really well. He gets great extension. And like I said, the, the spin rate numbers and just everything just kind of put together makes you think this guy's got front of, front of rotation stuff. I do think he'll last as a starter, at least for the time being. While you were talking, I looked up that slider information you were, t- you were mentioning there. Number one on that list was, in fact, Jacob deGrom at 92 miles an hour with the slider. There were a couple other guys that all were like over 87. I just want to read off some of these guys over 87 here. So Meyer's going to fit into the into this group of guys. Jacob deGrom, Zach Wheeler, Garrett Cole, Noah Syndergaard, Steven Strasburg, Justin Verlander. This is if... If Meyer can reach the same echelon as these guys, heck, even some of the other guys on the list that aren't as sexy of names, Anthony Disclafani, Lance Lynn, Dakota Hudson, it's still, the Marlins are happy with this group of players. Yeah, like a, a, few, a few of those pitchers at the top definitely had that, like, for sure, swing and miss third pitch or even a fourth pitch to add to the repertoire, but... I think Meyer has more than enough between the fastball and slider alone to get through starts. He's kind of reminds me of a guy like Denelson Lament. Just you could kind of rely on just that fastball slider combo and get through starts. It, they are that good. But then you got this that change up as well, just to kind of wrinkle in there. And he just becomes quite devastating, quite honestly, for any batter that comes his way. Lefties, righties, he's got weapons to attack both of them with and fills up the zone, weak contact, tons of swing and miss. There's a ton to like here. Well, well, these top two guys between Sixto and Meyer are both 55 future value pitchers. The Marlins obviously see them at start, as starters, but the next guy on the list, also a 55, is our first batter. We got J.J. Blade, last year's number four overall pick. As a 21-year-old in high A last year, he was statistically underwhelming. And he had an OPS under 700. What does he need to work on here to get back to that number four overall 55 future value player? We know his raw talent is there. What is it that kind of fell apart or or is it just a small sample? What does he need to work on to make sure that he is up in the echelon again next uh, in the next prospect list? Quite honestly, I don't think he needs to, I mean, obviously the prospect needs to work on stuff, but I don't think he needs to be concerned about his season last year. 
a lot of those guys that go deep into the playoff runs and all that in college baseball, some of them come up their first taste of the minor leagues when they get that 30, 40 game taste. Well, he, he got challenged and he got put right into um, advanced A ball. So that's another reason to be a little. Um, well, I, I guess I understand that if he's already in high A and he he just skips some steps, they're they're putting him in the fire. So it's you you make it or you don't. And you know he got he got stress test. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, like I said, like even if, no matter where he would have been, he probably would have been just run down where I was kind of getting at. He's just going to be run down a bit from the college season, that grind, and then playing the extra games in the College World Series, just that mental grind as well. Like, Not a lot of college players go through that. He's played at Vanderbilt. They're obviously one of the best players or the best teams in the country. So he's going to be in long seasons consistently, tough games, nail biters, just all the mental stress. He goes through a season, then he gets drafted fourth overall, and then goes to the Marlins, a team that's everyone's kind of counting on this guy to be not the savior, but he just, I mean, he didn't play terrible. It wasn't like he just came out there and he was like the worst player on the field. He just, I think, like I said, I think he just run down a little bit. I think he'll come out this, well, he would have came out this year and looked a lot better. Um, he came out and he was playing good in spring training. He was, he was making some good contact against some decent pitching. Yeah. I think he'll get challenged at double A. If he shows up well there, he could be a guy that moves through the system quickly and we could see potentially at the end of the season next year. If not, we'll see this guy, probably in a full-time role starting about 2022. Okay. Uh, Drake, what do you see when he is a full-time player two years down the road and he, or three years down the road, whatever it may be, and he is a starting outfielder for the Marlins, what do you think his stat, his slash line is going to be? What do you think his stats are going to be? Because in college, he's putting up you know 27 home runs his senior year. And obviously in short season last year, he had three. That's a big difference though. Is he going to be a home run hitter? Is he going to be a contact hitter? What do we have in him? I think it's going to be a mix of both. But uh, what I wanted to touch on on Blade is a lot of college players, when they go from college to the minors, they have to adjust to using a wood bat every day instead of a metal bat. So he's going to have to use a little bit more effort to you know hit a home run, stuff like that. I think that we could see a mix of power and maybe a little speed and contact from uh, Blade going forward. And he has enough uh, fielding to stick – Anywhere you put him in the outfield, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So uh, is he center field? I, don't, I honestly don't even know his, his projection there. Is he center field, left field, right field? He's second center. Um, I'm not sure he will full time just because of speed. He's able to play there, but again, he's not too fast. So you're looking at a corner. He'll probably be a right fielder. He's got the good arm. He's got the, he's got the uh, solid fielding. We grade both as plus. So he's got the power again. I, I believe he'll tap into it a little more consistently. I think it was just run down a little bit. Yeah, the wood counts into it, but... He showed in um, the Cape a little bit that he was able to kind of show some power with, with the wood the season leading in his draft year when he hit those, those 27 homers. He had five five homers on the Cape that year, which isn't insanely good, but it was enough to show me in his swing, and the raw power is enough for me to believe he can kind of tap into that consistently. And with the 55 future hit tool, that's what? That's roughly like a 270 batting average, something like that? 260, 275 or so. Okay, so we're talking a... 25 to 30 home run bat that's also getting on base at a clip of roughly probably if he's hitting 270 is on base is probably somewhere like 3 310 320 330 that's good i mean we can we can get better he could work on his eye a little bit or, or whatever it may be but that is an acceptable version of what you think i think you want a little bit more out of a number four overall pick but if that's what you get, if that's what he ends up being, if he's still a solid fielder with a good arm and, and he can contribute on the base pass, even with a little slower speed, they're going to be at least happy with that. So 
he showed a much better eye at uh, at Vanderbilt. He had a, I mean, it's not something you don't see every day in, in college. It's something you kind of look for at the top of the draft. Most of these guys do have more walks and strikeouts, but he's one of the guys that did have more walks and strikeouts in college, and he just overall showed a good ability of the strike zone and just knowledge of it. So I do think that walk rate will rise over the next year or so. So just be ready for that. Okay. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that. We'll see what his slash line looks, you know, a couple years down the road. Well, I'm sure we're going to retouch on all these guys later. We'll do like a, a looking back episode. Uh, he'll be one of the guys I'll talk about. But let's keep going down. Coming in at number four right now on these Marlins top 20, we've got 22-year-old righty Edward Cabrera, another pitcher. Cabrera is another interesting study. His overall tools all grayed out, you know, above average. And he certainly has the size to pitch well. He's 6'4". But the thing is, his tools are all good, not great, but his numbers are lights out. You know, a 30% strikeout rate, an ERA in the low twos, uh, a whip under one. All of these stats all outshine Sixto, and they pitched at the same level last year. They both pitched for the Jumbo Shrimp in Jacksonville. What's going on here? Is he better than what meets the eye? I'm, I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings on Edo Cabrera. Going into last year, I was super high on him, and he didn't really do anything necessary to, like, turn me away from him. I, I just some, – something that I – might have saw in a start or something that I just something clicked in my head that this guy might not be able to make it as a starter. I'm not sure. It's just something there that just kind of, I have questions about, like I said, I feel bad. I can't really give a straight answer on that, but I've been kind of trying to figure out for a while now, but I just, he's got good stuff. He only has three pitches. So that's one concern. I, I mean, they're all good pitches. We all, we grade them as a fastball plus change up in a slider, both above average pitches we have a 50 command. I'm a little lower on the command. I think as he kind of moves up the system, he's going to have a little more trouble kind of repeating those pitches against major league hitters. He kind of misses over the plate a little bit. When he got called up, he looked good. This, the strikeouts were still there. He gave up some more homers and stuff, but that was the only real concern. I kind of curious to see what Drake says. I have some reliever concerns, as I said before, but in the, in the bullpen, I think his stuff will play up. But until then, I'm, I'm just a little concerned. I completely agree with uh, Jake on that. I mean, there is, I've, I think I've said this like a lot now in this podcast, but yeah, there's reliever risk with Cabrera. Uh, when I look at him, he reminds me of actually a, a current Cardinal who is very hyped up, Alexander Reyes. He, the mechanics, everything reminds me of Alexander Reyes. And right now it's looking more and more like he's going to be a relief option for the Cardinals, but he could surprise much like, much like uh, Edward Cabrera. He could surprise, and he could turn into one of the Marlins' better pitchers, I do think. Obviously, we touched on three pitchers out of the four guys so far, and obviously Drake has been a little reliever-heavy on them all. I have some concerns on Cabrera, but it's just something that is a little bit something to be worried about at the top of the system. Like I said before, I think Sixto and Meyer are both going to last as starters, but I'm not sure if they see those same issues with Cabrera or Sixto, or they just saw the entire system's depth and were saying, okay, we... Probably should get more pitchers here. This is a deep pitching draft. We can kind of stock our system up. And it seems that's kind of what they did. Obviously, we're not going to touch on him in this uh, pod, but adding Dax Fulton as well. Once he's healthy, he could fly out the system and be one of their top prospects. He's one of the best high school pitchers in the draft. So they got one of the best college pitchers and high school pitchers to go. I'm not sure the Marlins see these guys as his relievers too, possibly in the future, or they just wanted to just get that strict just depth going because it was interesting. They drafted six pitchers. Yeah, I mean, they, in my opinion, they drafted six pitchers because they were going into the year with a starting rotation of, what, Pablo Lopez, Jordan Yamamoto, uh, Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara is good. But it's just it, – it's such a team that is – Caleb Smith, Jose Urena, I'm looking at it now. Like, they have 
I guess, potential to do good things, but none of them are frontline starters. So if you just throw darts at the dartboard and just pick a bunch of pitchers, hopefully the statistics say you're going to get one of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. They, they got two. Like I said, they got Dax and Meyer who were good, and they got even, they even got some other guys who have a lot of potential. We're not going to touch on them. You can go listen to our draft pod and kind of hear on the rest of them. But they got some good talent, and if they can kind of get the most out of a few of them, they have a, a good chunk of the rotation. They could potentially see three guys of this draft be in the rotation, and Dax will take a little longer, but a few guys could be there pretty quickly. Yeah, and then we'll look ahead three years after that, and they'll all be traded to different organizations because that's how the Marlins are ran. <laughs> let's round out the top five before I get hate mail from the Marlins fans. Uh, we get to the swagger of the farm system. My personal favorite jazz Chisholm jazz is such a cool prospect and typically someone that I wouldn't like he's power and speed with fielding, but no hit tool. I, I usually shove these types of players down the, down the boards a little bit, but I can't help myself with jazz, whether it's that swagger or, or the fact that he just plays shortstop. So we can kind of hide the bat a little bit. I, I, I just love what I see. Does Jazz have enough in his game to let me watch him you know, for years as a Marlin? Yeah, I, I believe so. Just something to touch on quickly. This system is getting pretty deep um, pretty soon in the middle infield. you got a lot of middle, middle infielders just kind of slowly moving up the system. I do think Jazz has the chance to stick there. It's just quick comparison. I think this guy just reminds me so much of just Didi Gregorius. He's got the av- below average hit tool. He's not going to be anything stand out there, but everywhere else across the board. He's got plus defense, above average arm, above average speed, above average power. You said the hit tools, nothing to get excited about. We have it as a 40 grade, so you're not going to see much there. His walk rates are, they're good. I mean, he he does take good walks. In, in the future, I'm concerned he's going to strike out a little more, and those walks will go away because there's, there's just a ton of swing and miss here. But when he's just, like I said, he, when he makes contact, it'll be fun to watch. And paired with that defense and that power, he definitely will find a role in the league because when you have a shortstop who can stick there and he has some some hit ability, there will be a role for him. It's just kind of how the rest of the system develops. If he'll have to move off if needed or whatever, but I think he's the guy in the system, quite honestly. As you said, it's a little risky with that hit tool, but the rest of his game matches the profile. Sure. Drake, do you love the swagger as much as I do? What do you think about Jazz? Uh, I agree with everything uh, Jake said, except I, I do think that he's going to be one of the better shortstops in baseball. Like my comp for him is Javier Baez. Just a little bit, the plus fielding, the high strikeouts, the power, everything's there. And even with his swing mechanics, that little like bat wiggle that Javier Baez does. So that's just something that I've been, I like Jazz Chisholm a lot. When the D-backs or when the Marlins traded Gallon to the D-backs for him, I was very confused. But after watching video and looking at stats, I can see why the Marlins wanted him so badly. So so it seems like nobody wants to answer my swagger question. I just need more people to call it swagger with me. I can't be the only one. Otherwise, I look weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but he does play with that same... I, okay, I guess I'll say that's it. He does play with that same swagger that, <laughs> um, that, yeah, that uh, Drake said with Baez. He does have that. He does that, bring that attitude, that fun, kind of charismatic attitude. So he, he's a fun player to watch and root for. So I'll be rooting for him, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm. you touched on it earlier. The system has a lot of future shortstop types, and I hope Chisholm has enough in his bat to stick at that short. Because obviously, I think he's going to play regardless. He has enough power. He has enough speed. Uh, he's likable. That doesn't matter in, in the majors, but it matters to me. He should play on, on the Marlins. All these other shortstops that are moving up through the ranks, they're going to challenge him. 
And maybe that challenge does enough to make him, you know, go to that next level. But for the, for the time being, guys, that's it for the top five. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our partner podcasts. We'll be right back. What's up, folks? It's Steve from the Grande and Big Sum Show. If you're looking for the hottest takes, Twitter debates, and everything going on in sports and pop culture, then look no further. We've got you covered. Whether it's tackling the newest in the NFL, NBA, and college sports, catching up with some of your favorite college and pro athletes, or just chopping it up, there's something here for everyone. You can find the Grande and Big Sum Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Grande and BS Pod. That's G R A N D E and BS Pod. Thanks, and we'll see you guys soon. And we are back. The Marlins top five is in the books. Let's keep it moving. Hitting up those spotlight guys at the back end. Number six on your list is the first choice here, and it's former twin, Luan Diaz. Diaz is obviously a huge power threat with some slick fielding at first, if that matters at all these days but he is already 23 and was forced to be put on the 40 man last year to prevent a rule five but he hasn't even played in triple a yet is he's gonna have to make his debut soon and when he does is he gonna have enough hit tool to play in miami um to quickly go through your first question does defense even matter at first base anymore 100 percent defense is extremely important at first base with a poor defensive first base when your infielders are pretty scared to throw a ball over to first base and not have it be right on the money. I mean, just look at the impact Evan White's made on the Mariners in the last, what, 20 games, not even 20 games he's played. The guy's literally a human vacuum over there. Any ball that comes his way doesn't get past him. He's stealing hits away. He's robbing. I guess my thought the... process when saying that is so many times we talk about an outfielder who's slow and maybe has a 45, ah, we'll throw him at first base. He'll probably stick at first. And we always just stick people at first. Well, this guy has fielding. He's already good at first. But since we're able to just stick people there, what's really the difference? The fact that he actually can be a plus defender there. (laughs) 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 Like you throw a guy that's just, like you said, just I can't think of one on the top of my head right now. I'm trying to. Yeah, there was a whole scene in Moneyball about this. Scott Hatterberg trying to learn how to play first base. Jose Martinez at first base. How about that? There you go. Yeah, just you don't want to deal with that. I mean, there's a reason he didn't play with the Cardinals quite often. Like, there's a reason the Cardinals refused to just hand him the first base job, and they went out and got. I mean, he's not a guy that stopped you from go getting Goldschmidt, but there's a reason they just refused to kind of play him consistently at first base, and they ended up just trading him away. Unfortunately, the DH game. But okay, well, so I'll, I'll prove myself wrong here on the defense. His defense does matter, but the hit tool. I know he's got the power, but will the hit suffice? Yeah, I think so. I think the hits uh, above average, quite honestly. Um, he's he's got a good good approach to the plate overall. He just finds barrels. He's not going to be up there and walk a ton. His strikeout rates aren't that high. He's he it'll probably raise as he faces pro pitching, but just overall profile, he's just going to be a big power hitter that's going to find barrels. And like I said, he's going to probably hit about two sixty to seventy, and the OP, OBP will probably be about three ten, but He's going to be a middle-of-the-order bat, and it's exactly what you want as a first baseman, clearly. And then you match the defense with it. It's fun to watch. He's not obviously a hidden talent. He's ranked number six. but um, So, yeah, he got traded, I think, um, to the Marlins, and they didn't really have to give up much for him. I think it was just Sergio Romo, and it kind of just blew my mind that they just kind of gave up on him that quickly. So, so Drake, I'm curious here what you think on him. Right now, the race, the race. Right now, the Marlins have Jesus Aguilar as their first baseman. 
And I think Garrett Cooper was still in there in the mix there. Aguilar is looking like he's having a good season. He might be trade bait. Could we see Diaz like soon here in the next in the next three weeks before the trade deadline? I think so. I think you could. Uh, but on a quick note for what you said with like the uh, hit tool for a first baseman, normally first baseman don't have that good a hit tool. Like think of someone like a Brandon Moss, um, Jesus Aguilar, even they're normally there for power and run producing. And uh, basically, I do think that Luis Diaz could see, we could see him on the Marlins, especially with his power that should translate very well in Marlins Park. Is this a future four-hole bat? Is this like top of the order, like like two, three, one of the best bats in the system? I think either three, four, or five in an order. Okay. Basically, your, your run producer, not like maybe low average to maybe like 250, 260, but then like 27, 30 home runs, high slugging, high OPS. Okay. I mean, so so kind of the same looking stat line that J.J. Bleday was offering earlier in the pod. That yeah. It seems like they're, they're relatively similar, obviously different positions, but similar kind of at the bat with their overall profile. Correct. Okay. Well, well let's keep moving away from Diaz. I, I am, like I said, I'm curious if he's going to play this year because they have a couple trade bait things. You know, the Marlins are always active at the trade deadline. This is going to be a funky trade deadline for sure this year. Aguilar might be the guy. He might go to a team to help him win. Marlins could promote Diaz, and boom, we've got a we've got number six on the list, starting first base for the Miami Marlins. Let's go down to number eight on the list now. Skipping number seven, we've got Braxton Garrett at number eight. He was the seventh overall pick in 2016, and he's been filled with potential. He, he showed it early in his career, and then in year two, he was forced under the knife with Tommy John. Since then, he's been fine with a 3-5 ERA and a decent enough nearly three Ks per walk. He does have a bit of a habit of allowing the long ball, allowing an, an average of over one a game. What do we have in Garrett in this post Tommy John arm? Uh, I'm actually a huge fan of Garrett. I think he's going to basically just be fine after Tommy John. We're talking about a not fa- plus fastball, I think 93-94. Uh, the curveball is easily his best pitch. And he also has a changeup that's still developing. But that fastball curveball is – very lethal in the Marlins system. He kind of has a really deceptional delivery, so that'll cause him to miss bats uh, pretty well. But overall, I just, I just think that Braxton Garrett is going to play fairly fairly well after uh, Tommy John surgery. Jake, we've been talking about these starters that are potentially relievers. Is Braxton a starter? It looks like 106 innings last year. I mean, it was a fine ERA. Is he finally our starter, or is he another guy that you might see in the pen? I think he has a good chance of sticking to the starter. Um, he's got a three-pitch mix. Like we said, It's you want to see that changeup be a little more consistent as the pitches he's going to have to work on a little bit to uh, prove he's able to stick in the rotation. But I think he can do it. The K rate's nice. He's got the, he gets a ton of Ks. He had a 26.4% K rate last year, 8.9 walks. The surgery's pretty much behind him at this point, you would think, and... He's 23 next year. He was a first-round pick in the past, and they were counting as this guy as obviously one of the guys they can look at as a future rotation guy. But the last two years, he kind of has been a little bit of forgotten about, quite honestly. But he resurfaced last year with a pretty good year, and he keeps the ball on the ground well. For some reason, that he pitches inside a lot, or he's just getting a lot of pull percentage. He's getting the pull 51% of the time. So he's keeping the ball on the ground, getting a lot of pull outs. Again, he's got good stuff. I think he can last as a starter. It's just more about just kind of getting out there consistently and getting innings. He probably won't see this guy in the majors till 
probably 2023, I would say. I don't think we see this guy next year, and I don't, I don't know if we'll see him even the next year. I think it's it's possible, but um, I think he's going to be a little, little bit of a slow mover still, just due to the fact that we need to get the other guy kind of consistent innings if they want to be a starter, and I think that's the plan for this guy. Okay. And I, I do want to actually retract something I said earlier. He did have a 3.54 ERA. That is accurate. But that's a little misleading. His expected his expected FIP that year was a 2.8. So if he would have pitched to that expectation and had a 280 ERA, this would have been an entirely different conversation. I would have said, this guy's great. Why is he not so high? Why is he not higher? So if he can avoid that bad luck next year or whenever he is able to pitch again, you're right. This guy could be you know, zooming up the list. Uh, but I, I do have a listener question here from Reddit. Uh, I, I've reached out to the Marlins Reddit again. Let's go r slash let's go fish. And uh, I had a guy uh, sponge bath. That's a fun name. S P U N J B A F sponge bath. Uh, he wants to know what is the team doing with Braxton Garrett this year to make up for what 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 would have been his first taste of double A and to keep pace with his rapid development of 2019. Is 2021 the year for him, or has his MLB debut been set back a year? Jake, you kind of touched on that earlier from when we're going to expect to see him, but it is an open question there for like, what do you know what teams are doing in these developmental 60 mans uh, to help these guys out? Yeah, I mean, to answer that question, I don't know specifically on Garrett's, um, what they're working on with Garrett, whether it be like a pitch or command or commanding or mechanics or something in particular with him. I haven't actually dug into that yet. It's something I kind of probably should now i'm getting a little interested because i do think this guy has some potential so i might look into it but like the, the question asked he's gonna miss a year in double a but again as we touched on on a previous pod he is a guy that could benefit slightly from this because he would have been he would have been in double a as we touched on so he's going to be facing guys that are high double a triple a and some guys that are end of the roster guys end of that 30-man roster that kind of gets shoved back down so he's gonna be facing good talent he'll need to consistently um find his pitches and all that so this could be a good year for him if he proves well he could be a guy that actually moves quicker due to this but i do think it's just gonna come down to innings again he could prove that he's ready stuff wise but they're just gonna need to lengthen him out quite honestly if they want to actually have this guy in the rotation you want to see him get another year of 1540 innings in the minors and then the next year you can count on this guy coming up to the majors and get another 150 innings at the major league level plus what he gets in the minors and move forward with his um, development at the major league level. Sure. Well, look at the joke I made earlier about their bad starting pitching right now. There's a chance that in two, three years, we look at this rotation. It's Sixto Sanchez, Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer, Braxton Garrett, Sandy Alcantara, Jordan Yamamoto. These are guys that this is going to make Miami exciting if these guys pan out. Sure, all four of these guys that we talked about could all go to the pin, but they have chances here. They have chances to stick, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this rotation turns out. Yeah, it's an exciting rotation. A lot of high risk, high reward. Yeah, it's a lot of high potential. If even just a few of these guys can reach their potential, the Marlins have a few building blocks to lean on, and they got a few more coming through the system as we're going to touch on quickly. Sure. Yeah, I mean, dude, talking about potential, I love this next guy, Peyton Burdick. He's 23 years old. He was playing at uh, Wright State, so relatively small program, and he was OPSing over a thousand year after year there. Then he comes to the majors, or he comes to affiliated ball, and he's nearly at a thousand OPS. He finished the season at 950, 
essentially a slash line of 300, 400, 550. You know, I, I glance over a scouting report, and sure enough, there's 50s and 60s with the bat all over it. What's the downside here with Burdick? It seems like the bat has some real potential. He's out of college. He's old enough to start making a difference in the majors. Why so low on Burdick? Why do not many people talk about him? Uh, he's a little bit of an older prospect. As he wasn't, he's not an old prospect, but he's going to be turning 24. So he's going to be one of those guys that when he gets to the majors, he's going to be about 25, most likely. So he just right off the bat, he's a little lower on people's ranks just due to the overall ceiling, you would think. But I'm a huge fan of Burdick, quite honestly. I mean, if it was my ranks, I might have him even a little higher. I'm, I'm super high on Burdick. I think he's got all the tools, as you mentioned, to succeed and be a consistent outfielder quite honestly i think this is the guy that the marlins can kind of look at and say okay he's not that high-end prospect but this is a guy we can actually count on he's consistent he's not going to be a world beater these stats are a little he's not going to be a 300 400 550 guy in the majors don't get me wrong but i mean if he's even close to that or even even a notch down that's still very productive and 250 350 450 is decent when you have good feeling and you offer everything else yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's gonna produce. He's got he's got a good bat. He's he's got good mechanics in the box. He'll strike out a little bit. I mean, last year was twenty twenty three percent with a thirteen percent swing strike rate. But not a lot of people probably know about this guy. Quite honestly, he's kind of underrated, as I keep touching on. And he'll be up. He'll be up pretty soon. I think next year we could see this guy. He's getting a lot of at bats in the sixty man, and he'll he'll make some noise. I think when he gets up. Something that always just bothers me, and. It's just because I'm not a scout, and I don't think I think the scouting grades uh, elude me a little bit. I see a future hit of 50, future power of six, uh, 55, future speed of 55, future arm of 60, future fielding of 50, but a future value of 45. How come his future value is lower than the average of all of his tools? I think that bit, what basically what Jake would touched on, like how he's older in terms of prospects. Yes, we might see him in the majors next year, but also just there's like this last year of development. We might see him in another year, another year. He could be 25, 26, making his major league debut, and that's where, like, you're starting to lose your prime years, That that if that's the best, like, answer for that. Okay. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback on that, but I think it just kind of goes to he only has really one plus tool. I mean, yeah, he's got the plus raw power, but when it comes to actual the, the five tools, he's got a 50 hit, 55 power, 55 speed, 60 arm, and a 50 field. So it's a very solid profile. It's nothing that's like, all right, this guy's going to be our two, three hitter of the future. This guy's our center fielder of the future. He's a corner outfield guy. And again, he just has a lot of good tools. Nothing that's going to just make a team insanely better. Just a combined tool set that's very good. Mm-hmm. He could have potentially earned a 45 plus um, FV value. We gave him a 45 here. Just just kind of see more of him. We, like we said, we saw just just one season from him so far, and I want to see what he can kind of do against higher competition. So I'm going to kind of keep tabs on him as he goes through the 60-man uh, this season and uh, move from there. The next two uh, that are highlighted, are they show exactly why I love the Marlins system. We touched on them earlier. They're two shortstops, both Jose. The first one's Salas, the next one Devers. Let's touch on Salas first. He seems to be another true shortstop that's going to push Jazz around, like I told you. He's yet to play affiliated ball, though, so there's not really good numbers in it. He's only 17, so we're probably looking at like a 2024 ETA, maybe longer. What's the development curve going to look like for him to get to the majors? Is he bat first, then work on defense? Does he already have one of these? 
Um, he's he's definitely a long way to go. He's it's almost tough to even put a timeline on him with, with everything going on and all. But with him, you kind of just want to let him go out there and just straight up play the game, just get reps. What, what comes first comes first with him, and you'll kind of work with the rest. But he shows a lot of good tools. A 50 hit tool, the power will potentially come in the future. We have it at a 40 plus, but um, everything else is really solid. He's got 60 speed, 55 arm, 50 fielding. He's young. He's small. He's only 150 pounds. I mean, this kid's extremely small. He's a switch hitter. He's still kind of learning the hit from both sides. As he gets older, more mature, more reps, all the above, he's going to get more consistent with the swings from both sides. And I do think he's going to tap into more raw power as he just puts on weight because he's, as we said, he does show it already. It's just he needs to put on that weight to kind of drive that ball out of the park. He's kind of showing a lot of doubles powering for now. But as he gets older again, that, that power is going to grow in from doubles power. Those balls are going to reach the seats. And he has exciting power. That power has a chance to reach 50 even at some point. And if that power reaches 50, you're looking at a guy that's 50 across the board with a 55 arm and 60 speed. Drake, he's not going to play short if Jazz has better D. Where do you see Salas playing in there? Is he a second baseman? He's probably the size of a second baseman. Yeah, I would say probably a second baseman. I mean, that's normally what happens with uh, shortstops that aren't that really good on D. Like uh, Andy Young, the D-backs. Uh, second baseman now. He when he, he when he came up, he was a shortstop, but he had a below average arm, below average average fielding. So they took him and put him at second base. That's just that's D backs talk. We don't need. <laughs> we'll get to D backs talk later. <laughs> when it comes to a prospect like Salas, I'm always curious because they're 17 years old. Jake, you said it. There's not a lot to know right now. All we see is a couple videos, a couple you know professional scouting reports from overseas that we don't really know that much. How when his development curve. I guess I asked earlier, what what is usually the first to come? Are we going to see a bat first? Are we going to see just the athleticism blossom and then the bat kind of follow? Uh, is he going to become a, a true fielder early? And then, you know, how is what should we expect next year, the year after, the year after? I mean, 99 out of 100 prospects, you're going to see the athleticism first and the bat's always going to come last no matter who it is. It's just the way it is. The bat's always going to come last. And with pitchers, the command's going to come last. Just just the way players are it's the toughest thing to perfect and i mean there's a reason hitting at baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports if these guys could hit at a major league level early on we wouldn't see some guys take four five six seven years we would be looking at a football basketball situation where these guys are ready to hit right away and obviously we don't see that so the fact that the bat is so far away the fact that as a young as a youngling at 17 years old the athleticism comes first then the power, then the bat, the hit tool at the end. How is it that we can claim a 50 future hit? It could be a 70 future hit for all we know. It could be a 30. We, How is it that we land on 50? Very well could be a 70. Very well could be a 30. It could be an 80. It could be a 20. We put it at a 50. Just You base it at this point. You look at the data. You look at what's available. And obviously with the guy that's 17 coming from overseas, there's not going to be a ton on him. You look at, like again, you just look at what's available. You look at the mechanics. You look at the actions in the box. You look at the projectability. As we said, he's super small. I mean, he's he's got he's got size to him. He's six foot one. He's just got to put that weight on. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be over 210 pounds or anything, but that's, I hope that's not. quite that's a, a bit, big adding boy. 60 pounds. <laughs> yeah, adding 60 pounds, but... Um, I mean, if, if this guy just adds 30 pounds and gets to like 170, 180 range you're going to start seeing again those balls fly through not fly out of the park but he's going to start racing seats and you look at you just look at the you just look at the actions and 
not everyone. I mean, obviously, there's kids that get drafted that we slap a 35-grade hit tool on. There's guys that we slap a 60-hit tool on. It's just, again, you look at their game and how do they carry themselves in the box? What is their approach? Are they swinging out of their shoes? Are they swinging missing at everything? Does a kid show good approach and contact skills to all fields, hitting curveballs, fastballs, change-ups, everything? Or is this kid just hitting fastballs? Is he just getting absolutely destroyed by curveballs? You look at all of it, and from what we've seen, we think he'll be elite average hitters. But again, as you touched on, he's a, he's 17. So he could be, for all we know, next year he could be showing 70 grade hitting. I mean, look at Wander Franco. Two years ago, three years ago, did we think this guy was an 80 grade hitter, uh, 80 overall, 80 FV prospect? Did we think about him at that? I don't really think so. We definitely thought he was one of the better prospects potentially in the game in the next year or two. But I don't think anyone's going to go out there and say they thought he was an 80 anything because... Quite frankly, we've only seen two 80s, and one was Vlad the year before, and one now is Wander. In my opinion, it's a bit overrated with that. I think those 80s are a bit stretched, but that's another conversation. So what what, uh, Jake was saying, one of the big things I look at, especially in hitters, is uh, the the maturity factor. Like In certain situations, like say bases loaded, how – Will that at-bat take place? Will they be swinging at everything to try to get a hit? Will they grind out in that bat? Will they shorten up and just try to put the ball in play to get someone home or just make something happen? That's something that like I look at a lot of the time. And if we see that with Salas, then that could easily increase his hit tool just a bit. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, when I'm at high school games, college games, watching players for the draft and all that, I mean, you see it all the time. Kids that just go up there, they're like, oh, okay, here's my chance. Base is loaded. Ask scouts are in the seats. I can, I can really make a name for myself instead of just doing what you need to do. And that is actually almost just as good. You see scouts all the time when this kid goes up there and swings through three fastballs and goes back to the dugout all pissed off at himself because he struck out. And you see all them make a little side note that this kid's not prepared to do what's needed to just get the runs in. Because at the next level, that's what most of these players are going to be. Yep. You have... 30 hitters in the league that are hitting in the three hole. You have 30 hitters that are hitting in the four hole and 30 that are hitting in the two hole. That's the special spot now. So you virtually have 90 hitters that are your middle of the order guys, quote unquote, in the world. So pick and choose if you think you're going to be that guy and do what's best for the team. Yeah. Especially at a young age. To touch on Franco, Wander Franco, uh, I uh, obviously prospectsworldwide.com doesn't go back very far. We, we only have this year's numbers. We don't. I can't look at 2018 prospect list so i have to go to uh, i'm just going to call it a rival prospect list site i won't say which one in 2018 they had him as a 55 hit tool now they have him as a 70 hit tool so over the course of one year they realized oh this guy does know how to play he's he's incredible so you're right we could see whatever we could see vast differences from a 17 year old to by the time he's 19 but let's go to the other of the brothers jose uh this time we have devers he's interesting because we have him like I said, below Salas, but his hit tool looks stronger. He doesn't have the power, but his hit tool is stronger and his fielding is stronger as well. To me, he feels like the, the classic shortstop, the contact hitter, knows how to play defense, good arm, good speed. If he reaches the potential the scouts like yourself set on him, is this a surefire major league shortstop that's definitely going to challenge Jazz? I don't think that Devers overtakes Jazz at all. Personally, I, I think that he'll be like slotted for second base with uh, Chisholm at short. But you're, when you see Devers, he's your prototypical leadoff hitter, that slap hitting pr- uh, prospect, plenty of speed, plus fielding. Uh, like you said, 
good arm strength. Uh, but there's like very little power there. And normally the shortstop position would have a power hitter, such as Baez or DeYoung or even Tim Anderson. Uh, but Devers, it's amazing to me how Rafael Devers is just like this power hitting uh, third baseman. And then Jose Devers is just this like leadoff hitting. <laughs> yeah, like slap hitting prospect. That's that's what I was – that's pretty uh, pretty weird to me. But, yeah, that's Devers. That would have been an interesting household growing up because I'm sure Jose never got a lick of like love because Rafael is hitting bombs out of every single park. And Dev, what? Or food? Or food? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, because Rafael's hitting him out of every single park he plays in, and Devers is looking at it like, all right, well, I can probably hit the ball over third base. That's uh, like about 115 feet on this ball. <laughs> what, Jake? What do you see in Devers? Do you see him as a short? Do you see him somewhere else? I definitely see him somewhere else. He might come up. He he has the ability to play shortstop, as you said. So you see him somewhere else because of Jazz, or is no, it no? Just because of the way the game is mostly, and I think his skill set can play better at other positions. Quite honestly, I I the, the MLB comp I have for him is pretty clear in my eyes. As Drake touched on, there's no power. The speed's good. The defense is good. I think he has a better arm than than, than, than this guy, but. I mean, I think it's just strictly D. Gordon. Yeah, I think this guy's skill set kind of matches good just elsewhere at shortstop, as Drake touched on. I'm a big fan of it, too. I've touched on it probably in five of the other podcasts that the shortstop position is obviously as a defensive position. But the way virtually every team is now, they have someone capable of being an offensive force. I mean, he listed four guys. There's 15 others in the league that are in the same boat. I mean... Lindor, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, Alexander Bogarts, Bo Bichette, Baez. I mean, all these guys, that's that's like eight or nine guys right there. That's guys that are legitimate bats in the lineup and stuff. So for the most part, teams are looking to get that offensive production, and Devers can't exactly supply that. I think his overall skill set, again, matches D. Gordon's, and the career trajectory kind of matches the same as well. I think he's an infielder, but I think his skill set is going to be very useful in the outfield as well. So a touch on his lack of power, not to not to smash on on Devers or anything, but uh, in his last year of statistics, he had an on base percentage higher than his slugging percentage, which that's bad. You don't want that. And the only player in Major Leagues last year, only qualified player that was even close, was Yomer Sanchez, and his slugging was still three three ticks higher than his on pace. I mean, Yomer Sanchez was a below replacement level player. So if Devers can offer better fielding and better speed and do all the things more than just be a slap hitter and exceed the Yolmer Sanchez's of the world, then yeah, the Marlins will have something. But if that power holds him back where that slugging just never gets off the feet off the ground, it's going to be a rough road. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, I do have that, that. That's it for the uh, top 20. So, so let's go back and take a broader look at the top 20 here. I just want to mention the guys we didn't touch on. At, at number seven is newly acquired outfielder Jesus Sanchez. And at nine and ten are two more outfielders in Cameron Misner and Monty Harrison. Uh, the latter is already in Miami. At 12 and 13, we've got lefty Dax Fulton, who we mentioned earlier, and righty Jorge Guzman. Then between those brothers, Jose, we have former first-rounder Trevor Rogers. And two more outfielders, Jarrera Encarnacion and Connor Scott. Finally, rounding out the 20 are a couple of pitchers, newbie Kyle Nicholas and current major leaguer Nick Neidert. But 
I do have a question from Reddit that kind of goes past these top 20s, and it might go into our, you know, outside the list guys. Uh, Willie20798, first off, terrible name, Willie. Don't use numbers in your name. <laughs> Who's going to be the best between the Mesa brothers? Is Victor Victor ever going to hit a home run? How much would the Marlins get if they traded them? What was interesting was we, when we were a really small uh, website, we did a giveaway and we had two autograph cards. One was Victor Victor and one was Victor Jr. And we basically put it to tell us who they thought. And Jake, wasn't the overall Victor Jr.? Yeah. Most of the majority were high yeah, Victor Victor Jr., Jr. as I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, clearly Victor Jr. is going to be the better overall prospect. But, I mean, you really can't go wrong with the name of Victor, Victor Mesa. I mean, that's an 80-grade name right there. <laughs> and it's the hit tool that puts Mesa Jr. over Victor, Victor, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I think Victor, Victor is more just like that defensive placement kind of role. He has some he has some ceiling on the offensive side, but I don't think he'll ever reach it, quite honestly. I think he's, like I said, just more of that defensive specialist, and you move from there. Victor's got at least a little potential with the bat, too. His defense is a little more rough, but you're kind of looking at him for more for the bat. Okay. Well, well, outside of the Mesa brothers, I want you to give me some more names of guys who either just missed the list or guys that are going to be on the lookout to make appearances once some of these guys graduate, like like so many of them already have. There's, there's a good bit um, that are right on the cusp, or in my ranks, I might have had it as well. Um, this guy is just to start. Osiris Johnson, Nasem Nunez. Osiris Johnson, uh, another shortstop. Yeah, he's another short, or he he's he's probably more of a third baseman, but oh, okay. I agree he he has a potential at um, shortstop as well. I just I just think his defense is a little a little light there. Drake, Drake, what about you? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, uh, Jake, with Osiris. Um, I remember doing some Marlins deep diving and really seeing that their depth chart lined up so well with shortstops. It's like every two years you have another shortstop, and Osiris was in that list. Uh, Drake, who do you have outside of the top twenty that you think are going to show up there soon? Hold on, Sterling Sharp. I wa- I watched him a little bit at Fall League. Dude's changeup is easily a plus pitch. I mean, we're gonna see him in May. Uh, he should be in the majors this year because for all five and all that. But I think he's gonna be a starting rotation piece for the Marlins. I'm dead honest with that. He has a uh, herky jerky delivery, a lot of deception, great changeup, lot, and I think he can turn that and do a lot of strikeouts and success. With the I will be the one to say I do not agree at all. He has no pitch to change up, in my opinion. The fastball, in my opinion, is a 40-45 grade. And the slider's pretty close to that as well. I agree the change is very nice, but I think there's so much you can do with just a uh, just a changeup. Although it's good, like I said, but he's 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 very small as well. He's he's got a he's very light kid, so I'm not sure he can last as a starting pitcher in the long haul, but it's, he, he's definitely got some some interesting looks, no doubt. He allows more hits per nine than strikeouts per nine. <laughs> Just you wait. Just right. you wait. It's All right. Breakout's the breakout's coming. coming, guys. You heard it here first on Prospects Worldwide, the podcast. Sterling Sharp, future Hall of Famer. And if he doesn't break out, you did not hear it. <laughs> well, <here>. not... <laughs> well, we will retroactively go back and delete this part of the podcast. <laughs> Future, future Hall of Famer, nah, uh. Drake, give me. <laughs> I want to. I want you to tell me anyone on this list that you think maybe necessarily not necessarily doesn't belong, but maybe is rated too high in your opinion. Someone who's a little overrated. 
you think maybe you can make an argument that he should be a couple slots down. Is there anyone that fits that that little mantra? I mean, I already discussed it a little bit earlier. Uh, I just think Sixto Sanchez, Marlins fans do not come after me for this. I just think he's more of a bullpen guy going forward. I mean, that he's already had that injury history, like I've already said. And if that continues, he's not going to have a, a future in the rotation. But yeah, Sixto Sanchez, I just think needs to be just a few slots lower. So if Sixto is a if if he's number one, and you don't think he should be because of his bullpen risk, well, number two is Max Meyer. He has bullpen risk. Number four is Edward Cabrera. He has bullpen risk. Is JJ Blade your new number one? Is is he the number one overall player in the in Marlins system in your eyes? Yep. Nope. Easily. Okay. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> No doubt. I, I'm very curious what your list would look like. It's going to be very different than mine. I mean, different than <laughs> it would be very different. That's why I, I didn't write well, it. Well, Jake, I want to give you an opportunity as well. Is there anyone else in this system that you either want to say is overrated, underrated? Do you want to give a spotlight to? Whatever, the, the mic is yours. Um, I would have Connor Scott a lot higher, quite honestly. Um, we have him at 17. I think he's a near top 10 prospect for the team. I think he has a ton of potential. He's had a rough showing his first, uh, his first taste of minor league ball, but I like the talent there. He's got a ton of raw tools. I so I would have him a little bit higher. Um, Jorge Guzman, I would probably have just a little bit lower just due to the, com- he has very, very poor command. And I don't think he's a starter as well. It's just another guy that's likely a reliever just touching on probably why they got so many pitchers in this last draft. They just have so many of these guys that are going to likely end up in the bullpen. But, um, yeah, I'd probably have him a little lower, but other than that, I mean, it's not too bad overall. It's a pretty solid ranking, I think. I would definitely have Sixto as my number one, but um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's a good list. Okay. Well, Jake, Jacob, Jacob, that's it for the Marlins today. Like always, we want to do these T20s right, and you guys have nailed it. You guys have given me great information on all these prospects. Drake, thank you for joining me today. We always appreciate having you on. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a good time. <laughs> good. I'm glad, man. Uh, <laughs> as we sign off, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything you want to plug. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrakeMan4. That is M-A-N-N. And uh, I have the D-backs list coming out, and then I have Twins and Braves also in the works. So look for that soon. Okay. And, uh, and Jake, what about you? Where can people find you? Um, as always, on Twitter, jtillinghast27, um, Prospects Worldwide on Twitter, Prospects World W, our website, prospectsworldwide.com. Follow our YouTube, of course, again, Prospects Worldwide. I think you get the picture at this point. Um, yeah, follow us everywhere. we got a lot of stuff coming out, and we got some different potential podcast ideas coming out, so stay tuned. We're not sure when they're going to start up, but... We have some different ideas coming out, so if you're not too interested in other teams' prospects, we got you covered. And as always, I'm John Giles. You can follow me at Puma Revive. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And please continue to listen to our pod. We have a ton of these episodes coming out over the season. We have many, many on Backlog right now. Trust me, they're going to be pumping out soon. Click around over at prospectsworldwide.com. There's a lot of great stuff over there. Scouting reports, first impressions, team draft recaps, of course, more of these top 20s. And please, send us an email. Send us a question on Twitter, at prospectsworldw on Twitter. If you have any questions about teams we haven't covered yet or it's just something you want to hear us banter about, send us a line over there. 
I look forward to reading those and I'll be happy to ask them next time. And Juan Soto just hit a 466 foot home run. That was a blast. I'm very pumped right now. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles and this is Prospects Worldwide.